It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and I'm coming to you around about half an hour after the conclusion of Arsenal versus Manchester City. Finished 1-0 to the visitors. Raheem Sterling with the only goal of the game. Um, Arsenal offered very little as an attacking force, it has to be said, um, and ended up losing the game narrowly uh, off the back of, uh, of a lapsing concentration in the very, very early stages of the match. And it reminds me a little bit of the Aston Villa game because of the fact that we literally started in a manner where we looked half asleep. You know, we started in a way whereby we'd handed the advantage to our opponent from the off. And it's hard enough trying to compete with this Manchester City side. I said it during our live watch a long time and time again. This for me currently right now is the best side in Europe. So it was always going to be difficult. It was always going to be tough. And when you start the game, the way that Arsenal started the game today, you pretty much give yourself no chance. You know, we're going to come on to talk about the team selection, some of the tactical bits and pieces that I noticed today. Um, we're going to talk about all of that on this show. What I will say, though, is to, to kind of kick off is if you're an Arsenal fan feeling disappointed, if you're an Arsenal fan uh, feeling upset, dejected, I get it. You know, we always feel like that after a defeat. But I think a game like this is one of those games where you have to really look at the bigger picture, right? And the bigger picture is this. When we did our preview show the other day, most people um, would have predicted a Manchester City win. Most people who were neutral, not interested in the not having an interest in the game, i.e. supporting either one of the teams, would have would have backed Manchester City to win this. Why? Because they are miles miles, miles, miles better than Arsenal. You know, at this current stage, Manchester City are flying high at the top of the Premier League. I think it's their 18th or 19th consecutive win in all competitions. Okay. They've got 59 points in comparisons to Arsenal's 34, which means they've got 25 points more than us in the Premier League. We are not on the same level as Manchester City, right? So for us to lose this game is by no means disastrous. It's by no means um, out of the ordinary. It's not a game whereby we should all go into flipping meltdown off the back of it. Like, I genuinely feel like that. Like I'm upset. I'm disappointed because I hate watching Arsenal not win games. I hate watching Arsenal lose games and it's always painful. But I think in a situation like the one we're in now, it's very easy to lose your rag. And if you're if you're losing your rag, you're losing your rag because you're frustrated by what you've seen throughout the course of this season. You're not frustrated because of what you saw today necessarily. Yes, there were elements of the performance today that weren't good enough. Yes, there were um, things that Arsenal could have done better. Arsenal could have uh, perhaps offered more in the final third. Arsenal could have defended the goal uh, a lot better than they actually did. But the, I guess the point I'm trying to make is the overreaction that you're no doubt going to see on social media and from some Arsenal fans is is a consequence of the fact that the whole season has been disappointing up until now. You know, we're out of the FA Cup. We're down in 10th in the Premier League. You know, we, we're a million miles off of, off of the likes of Manchester City. It feels like we're, we're going to struggle to get anywhere near the top four. So because of all of that, the reaction to today's game is going to be amplified. And, and is, that, is that the 
right way to look back on a game like tonight's one. Let's let's focus in on some of the detail of the game. And let's start with the team selection. I know a lot of fans that were watching the, the live watch along with me were talking about the fact that we'd made probably too many changes and they were unhappy with that and they didn't actually like the team that Mikel Arteta selected. So just a quick reminder of what that team was. Um, it was Bern Leno in goal. It was Bellerin holding Pablo Marie and Tierney across the back line. Elneny and Xhaka were the midfield pivot with Martin Erdegaard just in front of them. Saka played from the left and Nicolas Pepe played from the right with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang through the middle. Manchester City lined up with what looked like a 4-3-3 um, with a false nine. But I'll come into a couple of tactical bits I noticed because I actually think that Addressing the changes first, the changes needed to be made, right? Mikel Arteta alluded to it before the game. There are players who who just struggled, you know, to be fit enough for today because of the fact that we played on Thursday. And there were players in there who he clearly thinks um, are going to be needed on Thursday. And he feels that uh, he would rather have them available for that game. And I get that, you know, th- when you look at the Premier League table, it's difficult to see. It's not impossible, but it's difficult to see how Arsenal closed the gap on the top four. And ultimately, at the beginning of the campaign, the remit would have been, the objective would have been for Mikel Arteta to get Arsenal back into the Champions League. And he sees the Europa League as as probably the most viable route now. And that is why he made changes today. Partly that and partly because people are struggling. People are struggling for fitness. You know, we're looking at players in that squad who constantly break down. We're looking at players who, you know, have played so much football of late. And I think you're starting to see it in some of them. And I'll come on to talk about those individuals in a minute. But I just want to touch on one point and why I think that Mikel Arteta probably overthought the game today. I always feel that he does that against Man City. I feel that against Manchester City, Pep Guardiola um, being his mentor is somebody that he's so desperate to get one up on tactically that it kind of clouds his judgment. And what you would say has been one of the positives in recent weeks is that Arsenal have established a way of playing. Arsenal have found a bit more of an identity and it felt like today in overthinking it, Mikel Arteta moved away from that. You know, and so, some of the some of the bits I'll, I'll point out will probably make you agree with me. First of all, Bukayo Saka was playing on the left-hand side and Bukayo Saka for me has been much improved since moving over to the right. The same can be said for Nicolas Pepe, who was playing on the right today, but has actually been far more impactful on the left. So why did Mikel Arteta do that? I'll tell you why Mikel Arteta did that. Now, if I just move, for those of you watching on the YouTube video, for those of you on the audio, don't worry, I'll explain it. Um, But if I just kind of try and put everybody into formation um, as to maybe how the game uh, was expected to pan out, you know, Pepe on the right, uh, Xhaka Elneny in that defensive uh, double pivot, and then you had Manchester City's midfield free. What Manchester City do really effectively and do really well is they often use their back line as a back free. So whilst it's a four on paper, they spread out as like this. You know, they spread out into a back free. And the right back often, often João Cancelo, he drops into these areas here, into these inside positions, and he becomes a bit of an extra midfield player. And that is how Manchester City is one of the ways that Manchester City dominate the ball so often in their games. João Cancelo, or whether it's Carl Walker, whoever that right back is, comes infield and becomes an additional midfield player. And you're ultimately, when Man City have the ball playing against the 3-4-3, Jao Cancelo did that and Mikel Arteta was well aware of that. Mikel Arteta knows this Manchester City side like the back of his hand. This idea, this notion of bringing the fullback infield to become an additional midfield player is not something new. Pep Guardiola's done it for years and years and years and Mikel Arteta knew all about it. And I think what Mikel Arteta has done is he's gone... Well, that gives them an advantage in the midfield. That is how they create those advantages in the middle of the park. That is how they dominate the ball. So I'm going to go and stick somebody on um, on Cancelo when he steps in field. And I want that player to follow him around like a shadow. And hopefully the combination of that and the, the more defensive-minded midfield, perhaps, of, of Granit Xhaka and Elneny will prevent them uh, getting as much joy. But what it actually did was it actually took so much away from our forward play because every time Arsenal got forward, it was Kieran Tierney 
coming down the left. Bukayo Saka wasn't playing as a winger at all. He was infield and you could see when Arsenal won the ball back in turnovers, he would end up in these inside left positions here because of the role he'd been assigned, which was to deal and to cope with and to look after João Cancelo. In doing that, you've not only lost the attacking threat that Bukayo Saka brings to the table, but you've also probably caused a bit of a problem for Martin Erdegaard, who was playing in a more central position and is now finds himself in a position where it's more difficult to find space because Saka's there, because Cancelo's infield. And then you've got Pepe, who's been moved out to a flank where he simply doesn't perform as well. So I think that that decision by Mikel Arteta to put Bukayo Saka so clearly on Manchester City's fullback, who was always going to cut in field. I think that that has actually done more damage than good today. He's been too careful. He's been not brave enough. And that's something I've said about Mikel in the past, that at times his decisions aren't brave enough. And he wasn't brave enough to go out there and say today, right, we've, we've established a way of playing. You know, we, we've been on the front foot in, in most of our recent performances. Let's go out there. Let's see what we can do. Let's go and try and uh, cause Manchester City problems. Now, there's an argument that says that's absolutely the right thing to do because Manchester City, as I said, right at the top of the podcast, are far superior to Arsenal at the moment. There's no question about that. So I understand the, the, the feeling of wanting to nullify them, of wanting to spring a tactical surprise. And I think that Mikel Arteta overthinks games against Manchester City because they are a side that he has a huge knowledge of. And because he has that knowledge, he probably feels that he needs to use that knowledge and therefore he needs to try something outside of the box. And today, that was to try and do exactly that. And that was to use Bukayo Saka as that player to try and nullify the effect of their fullback coming in field and joining into their midfield play. And I think it hindered us in one, two, three positions and um, proved not to be a good decision in the end. That's what I was talking about. Mikel Arteta overthinking things. I genuinely think that's the case. And, you know, looking at some of the individual performances, I mean, Kieran Tierney um, really struggled in the early stages to cope with Riyad Mahrez. You know, Mahrez is a tricky customer. It's difficult for anybody to deal with. But I thought Tierney really, really struggled with that um, today. I, I really do. And and Mahrez, a couple of stepovers cutting inside and he did it time and time again and he caused Tierney problems. Tierney got better as the first half went on and, and started to get forward a lot more. But I think towards the end of the game, he tired, understandably. You know, he's been out. Um... I'm not even sure I'd have started him today. I'm not sure I'd have brought him on against Benfica either, but but Mikel obviously feels he's fit enough. Pablo Marie and Holding, I think for the most part, did did pretty well, apart from that one lapse in concentration. And that's what I talk about in the title, one lapse in concentration that's cost us, was the goal um, that, that Manchester City scored. And if I just show you um, on the screen, for those of you watching via the video, you know, the ball comes in, um, from the right flank for Manchester City. And what's interesting about this is um, Manchester City have a couple of players coming forward and and Raheem Sterling um, kind of, there's one player making a move in there and Raheem Sterling is, is coming here. And, and at this point, as, as Raheem Sterling approaches the edge of the penalty area, he is basically being marked by Hector Bellerin. And what Hector Bellerin essentially does is he passes... Raheem Sterling onto Rob Holding because there's another Manchester City player coming up on the outside. And Bellerin, probably aware of that, feels as though he needs to pass Raheem Sterling on. But here's the thing, Hector. You can't pass Raheem Sterling onto Rob Holding without without telling Rob Holding you're going to do it. Rob Holding is, is facing the ball. He cannot see what is going on in behind him. He can guess, he can try and keep a more side-on position perhaps to be aware of of what's going on around him. But Rob Holding needs to be clearly told that Raheem Sterling is his responsibility because what happens in the end is neither of them really pick him up. And Raheem Sterling, despite being five foot seven and and carrying no aerial threat whatsoever, times his leap really, really well, gets into the sweet spot in between Holding and Bellerin and opens a scoring. And from then on, you can sit and you can slag off Arsenal all you like, but from then on, it was nil-nil. And had Arsenal come away from that with a draw, the outlook 
and the response to that result would have been very, very different. So it's that one moment, it's that one lapse in concentration that has caused us a problem. And whilst these lapses, these moments of, you know, of I don't know what even to call them, the, whilst these moments happen too often, the fact that we are losing games or that we're not winning games because of these moments and because they are such fine margins, I find it difficult to keep pinning the blame on the manager. I mean, overall, he's responsible for where we find ourselves in the league table. There's no doubt about that. That's his job. He's the manager. That's his responsibility. But it is difficult to constantly look at Mikel Arteta and go, oh, well, today was his fault because because Hector Bellerin and, and Rob Holding or, or Hector Bellerin doesn't pass on the player properly. And after that m- moment of of lapsing concentration, then it's a mountain to climb against most teams, let alone against Manchester City, who, as I said, right now are the best team in Europe. So I, I think Bellerin's largely responsible for that goal. I think he's the most responsible. I still feel holding probably should be a little bit more aware and probably deal with it better. But aside from that, Rob Holding had a pretty good game. Same can't be said for to Bellerin. He gave the ball away time and time again today. It was one of his poor performances. And I'm not trying to make excuses for him. I'm not trying to make excuses for anybody. But Hector Bellerin's played a hell of a lot of football lately. And, you know, you can be physically tired, but you can also be mentally tired. And I think situations like that, where the communication isn't quite there, the 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 sharpness of mind is perhaps missing right at the start of the game. I think that's down to being tired mentally. And I think that this season has been crazy. And I think that it's been crazy because of that. And I think you're seeing that with a lot of other teams as well. There are a lot of other so-called top teams in this division who are struggling uh, because of the the amount of fixtures. It's not an excuse because everybody has to deal with it. But, you know, you, you don't have to excuse it. You don't have to accept it. But I think you probably have to understand it a little bit. Let's go over to the live chat and then we'll move on to to discuss uh, some more bits and pieces. A uh, big hello to Chris. He says, hi, Harry. Always love listening to your balanced views. My question is, in light of tonight's result and with Leicester away next week and other tricky games ahead, are we bothering to look at the European spots or are we looking over our shoulder at the teams from 15th and above? I, I think that the with every passing week where we don't win football matches, the... the um, the chances of of qualifying for Europe via the league positions are fading, of course. Um, and I think that at some point, Mikel Arteta is going to have to look at it and prioritise. I said last week that I didn't think that point had necessarily come. My mind hasn't really changed because I didn't think we would get anything out of this game anyway. But I do think in a few weeks' time, then that will be the case, whereby we'll have to look at it and go, well, we've got to prioritise the Europa League. But having said that, and and, you know, having accepted that there will come a point where that needs to happen, I'll also say that Arsenal cannot afford, a club the size of Arsenal cannot be um, and cannot accept the league position such as the one we currently find ourselves in. So work has to be done in the Premier League either way. Um, But I I do think that the European places in the Premier League are looking uh, further and further away. and, And in the next couple of weeks, if we don't pick up the results that we need, and and by results we need, I mean wins, I mean points on the board, then we're going to have to we're going to have to look at that, and we're going to have to, you know, clearly I think prioritise um, the Europa League. Uh, Inti Yanan says I didn't have an issue with the team selection because of Thursday. Uh, Lee Lochran says I think today was about damage limitations, which I believe we did and could have got a draw out of it. O- ultimately, it will help us out for Thursday night. Agree with that. Uh, Alex says starting 11 was still good enough to test Edison a few times, but we didn't. Shocking to play a game at home, but not even attempt to score a goal. Ekene says, Harry, I'm an ardent Arteta supporter, but it seems like he doesn't know how bad some players are. I think he's well aware, Ekene. I think he knows that Mohamed Elneny, for example, is not good enough to play in his midfield. But what's the alternative right now? With Thomas Partey out injured, Danny Ceballos, as I'm led to believe, is one of the players who has struggled with training um, since the game uh, against uh, Benfica the other night. 
looking at the game against Benfica, Mikel Arteta will feel it's more important. It's a game we have more chance of winning. And I can see why he's not wanted to risk Danny Sabayos today. Um, it, it's not an outrageous decision to to play those players because we don't really have anybody else. Uh, and that's the reality. Uh, Martin Laguna says, not really digging him out, but Odegaard had a poor game today. Yeah, he did. He struggled today. Um, he did. He, he really did. There's no there's no getting away from that. Um, and as you say, it's not necessarily digging the lad out. It just wasn't his day. Um, Colin Jr. points out the height difference between Raheem Sterling and Rob Holding. Yeah, agreed. But as I said, Colin, if Rob Holding isn't aware that Raheem Sterling is behind him, you know, and there's an argument that says he should be aware as a centre-half, you should be aware of what's going on around you. The problem here is that initially when you watch them coming into the penalty area, when you watch Raheem Sterling jogging into the box and taking up that position, he's got Hector Bellerin with him. Hector Bellerin is literally shoulder to shoulder with him and just decides bizarrely to pass the guy on to Rob Holding, perhaps because he's fearful of the player coming on the outside. I don't know, but that has led to that goal and that has led to Rob Holding not being able to deal with it. And he, look, the cross was good. The header was good. But it was preventable. And I think that both of them, both Holding and Bellerin play a part. I just feel like Bellerin's part was probably bigger because he's the one that can see everything. He's the one that's facing the game. Um, and, and he's the one that can that has Raheem Sterling ultimately in his eye line. Mandy B says, what will the excuse be if we lose on Thursday? There'll be no excuse, Mandy. Thursday is, to use a term that Mikel Arteta likes, non-negotiable. Arsenal have to get through in the Europa League. And if we don't, our season will essentially be over. And there will be a, a meltdown. And and then it will be justified. I just, I just don't think it's justified to go absolutely bonkers when we've just been beaten by the best team currently in Europe, who have just won their 18th or 19th consecutive football match, right, are clearly a million miles better than us. And we've lost because of one bad moment at the start of the game. For the rest of the game, we defended relatively well. Yes, we didn't create enough of our own, but we competed um, for 88 minutes. So I'll take you back to the original question, which was how many people predicted Arsenal to beat Manchester Manchester City and genuinely meant it, weren't just saying it to be positive. How many genuinely thought that we were going to beat Manchester City today? Probably very few. And that tells you about where Arsenal are at. It tells you about where Manchester City are at. And I think you should not lose that context when you're trying to assess, um, you know, how you should be reacting off the back of this one. Psycho Vibe says, I'm tired of this Arteta in and Arteta out nonsense. It's killing my love of the game. Right now, it's not about the love of Arsenal. It's now proving who is right about Arteta. It's a great point. It's a great point. Alex McCarthy says, I'd rather not be in the Champions League anyway. Losing six games out of six because of our incompetence from back to front. To be honest, mate, you might not want us to be in the Champions League, but Arsenal as a football club financially are in desperate, desperate need of it. It's so important. Uh, that Arsenal get that finance in, particularly now during a global pandemic. It was important anyway, but, you know, we're feeling the pinch of it even more so now. Um, What else have we got here? Uh, Let's pick out a few more of your comments. Don't forget, if you haven't already, by the way, smash the like button. Um, It is really, really important and really, really helps. Uh, Medical Study Buddy says, I missed the game. Not disappointed that I missed it, to be honest, but losing 1-0 against Man City is not too bad on paper. Yeah, it's exactly that. And look, I understand why there are some out there who feel that the performance wasn't good enough in terms of our attacking play. You know, we didn't bring enough to the table. We didn't test a Manchester City defence who, although they've been better this season, they've been better largely because they dominate the ball. They keep the ball. They squeeze people into their own half. They suffocate you with their ability to keep hold of the ball um, and keep hold of possession. So although their defensive record is is much improved, you still feel like you can get at them. If, and and it, that might not make sense on the, on the surface, but you can, you understand what I'm trying to say, that the likes of Edison, he does have a mistake in him. John Stones has a mistake in him. I've seen that time and time again, but we just didn't put them in positions where they did have to think twice about defending because whenever we got forward, 
We were so toothless and so predictable. You know, every single Arsenal attack of note came down that left-hand side with Kieran Tierney trying to put a low cross into the penalty area. And if you pack out the near post area, um, a couple of good ball-playing centre-backs who are good at anticipating, good at reading the cross, they'll just clear those away all day long. Um, Nishith says, not going to lie, I felt City gave us too much respect. I don't know if Pep told the players to take it easy and not run right. Definitely would have expected them to score again if we were... Uh, good up front. Yeah, I mean, they, they've got a big European game coming up midweek as well. And they've probably um, they've probably got one eye on that. And, and you saw it, you know, he took Kevin De Bruyne off relatively early. Um, Pep Guardiola. So, yeah, you know, maybe uh, I'm not going to suggest that Pep Guardiola didn't want to hammer his old mate's team. But what I will say is that he probably, um, you know, he probably instructed them to, while they were comfortable, take their foot off the gas and, and try and keep the ball, which they did very, very well. Uh, Harry says they won two easy third consecutive Premier League game. We haven't scored against City. It's not like they're the perfect team to not even score against them. It's our mindset, some kind of complex with them. I think it's to do with the manager. I said that um, earlier on. I feel like he overthinks the games against Manchester City. And tonight we diverted away from what's been good in recent weeks about Arsenal and were too focused on preventing them creating chances, preventing them creating an advantage in the middle of the park. I genuinely feel um, that's where Mikel maybe went wrong from the outset. Um, Bellerin has no defensive instinct at all. We need someone in the mould of KT or at right back. Uh, Peanut Balanchelli time, not, not happy with Vector Bellerin. And a lot of people are not happy with him. You know, he's... Um, he didn't have a good game today. There's no, there's no getting away from that. I normally, um, I normally defend him, but you can't after a performance like that. You know, he he, he wasn't good enough, and and that's that's the bottom line. Uh, what else have we got in terms of the live chat? Let's see what you guys are think are saying. Uh, Abhishek says, "What are your thoughts about Aubameyang? Is he past it, or is it up to the team to bring him alive? I don't think he's past it, but I know he had a good game against Leeds." Leeds left a lot of spaces. I just, as a centre forward, I'd... it's a combination of both things. I don't think that we get the best out of him when our build-up play is in a certain way. Um, but also, he's not converting chances that he would have converted last season. You look at the Benfica game um, the other day, you know, had he scored a couple of goals that night, we wouldn't be even talking about this again. Um, but he didn't. And, and those are chances that you would ordinarily expect him to put in the back of the net. So his form isn't quite right. Um, I think we can all agree on that. There's still a lot of debate about whether he should play from the left, whether he should play through the middle. I'm not sure what the answer is right now. And, and that says it all. Um, Mr. A says, Harry mates, only so many times you can just write off the City game as a loss every time, not even a draw. Eight consecutive losses. Don't you think if the players have the same mentality as you, it's an issue? Um, no, because... I wasn't saying that we couldn't win the game before the game. I was saying that we couldn't. I was saying before the game that because of the fact that we have Thursday night and the importance of Thursday night, that I was okay with Mikel Arteta taking some chances in a game that we're unlikely to win. Right? It's not about going into the game saying that you've lost it already as it, you know, and I, I don't expect the footballers to have the same mentality as me because I'm not the one competing. If I was competing, my mentality would be very, very different. The point here is that I was okay with the rotation in the team because of the game on Thursday night. Now, if we lose the game on Thursday night and we get dumped out of the Europa League, then I'll be absolutely livid, just like everybody else. But the reality here is that if this gives us a greater chance of going and doing the job against Benfica in the second leg, then Mikel's made the right decision. And the Premier League feels as though it's going to be, you know, very difficult for us to, to get into the positions we need to get into. So the Europa League has to be has to be the priority, I guess. And I don't expect Arsenal go, to go out and say that we can lose the game and it's okay. But when you're going for a rebuild and when confidence is on and off, up and down, if you like, I think it's important to contextualise results, right? So competing with Manchester City for as long as we did, there are there is a positive aspect of looking at that. 
And I think at the point that we're at now, you should take that as a positive. If we're in a position where we're challenging for the Premier League and we're not beating Manchester City, then you would look at it and say it's a disappointment. But you've got to look at it with context. It's not accepting a defeat. It's looking at it with context. And as, as I've said already on the show, I'm not, you know, I'm not happy that we've lost. I'm not pleased that we've lost. I'm, I'm as disappointed as any Arsenal fan out there. I'm just trying not to let it, let this one result completely cloud my view of where Arsenal are going as a team, because I think it would be wrong to do that because context has to be considered. And the context is one team are far better than the other and they they just about got over the line. All right, maybe not just about got over the line because we didn't really offer a great deal, but they've won narrowly against the team that everybody and their mothers thought they would batter today. So context is all I'm saying. It's not accepting of a defeat. It's not accepting of where Arsenal find themselves in the league. You know, I can't. You know, I can't do that. I've grown up on um, on doubles. I've grown up on unbeaten seasons. This is not acceptable for me, but don't let it drive you absolutely mad because this is a very good side that we came up against today. Uh, Russ Morgan says, boring, uninspiring, uh, but not unexpected. Um, Alex McCarthy's defending Hector Bellerin here. He says Bernardo Silva was behind Bellerin. So what was he meant to do? Yeah, Alex, you're right. And I, and I pointed that out in my analysis of the goal. He, he, Bernardo Silva was coming in around the back. But the point I'm making here is if you're going to pass Raheem Sterling on, you've got, you've, somebody has to know about it. Somebody has to know about it. Um, otherwise you're essentially just letting him have a free, free run allowing him to take up the position between you and your centre-half. And nobody's aware of it. Nobody's really dealing with it. And that's what happens. Good players punish you. Louis Robson says, uh, boring, flat, pathetic, awful performance. Holding plays like that and Arteta gives him a new deal. Laughable. Pepe had a shocker. Whole attack was awful. Um, Let's come on to talk a little bit about the attack because I've already spoken about how I felt that Bukayo Saka was wasted playing in this inside left position. Um, in in um, in uh, Mikel Arteta's attempts to try and nullify uh, the the effect of João Cancelo stepping in field, I, I do really think um, that was a mistake from from Mikel Arteta. But in terms of the rest of the attack, well, we talked about it already. You know, Pepe from the right doesn't really offer enough, does he? You know, Martin Odegaard was was struggling. Uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang never really uh, looked to to be on the shoulder of the defenders never really made the moves for the right passes I didn't think and, and even when he did because he did a couple of times there was one instance where Bukayo Saka come falling forward and you just see Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang get his head down full sprint mode um, bursting in towards the penalty area and the pass just never came and and the problem is it's just that Arsenal's attacking play at the minute is um, can be very very predictable it's go down the left play it to Tierney put in a low cross try and pick someone out. And it just gets repetitive. It gets boring. It gets easy to, to defend. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, Tazel says, today was definitely damage limitation. We defended well other than the goal. Agreed. We probably could have put a higher press and worked harder as a team. But let's be honest, City would probably beat us anyway. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. Um, he also says that being fresh for the Benfica game will benefit us more. And I, I completely agree with that. That is the priority, whether you like it or not, that is the priority. Um, I know a lot of people giving uh, Mohamed Elneny some stick uh, in the chat. And, and we all know that Mohamed Elneny isn't good enough, man. You know, we all know he's he's not good enough. Um, into your nan says, I said on 90 minute Arsenal would win. I gave a prediction that Arsenal would win, yeah. And I said, why can't I be optimistic going into the game? Why not? Why not? But I'm I'm not the manager, am I? I'm a fan. I've got an emotional point of view. A manager has to look at it with pragmatism. A manager has to look at it uh, with a sensible head and decide what the right approach is. Um, 
Michael Grayson says, here's the truth. We have a rookie manager that's trying to rebuild the squad during a pandemic with restructuring at the top. And there are fans that still think we should beat everyone we play. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, T Talk says, people need to understand this squad of players is not even good enough to get into the Champions League. Agreed. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Haji Mohammed says, the biggest frustration is 300k. Wage flop, Aubameyang, Obalaka, and Xhaka, Nelneni, and Pepe and Willian uh, must leave in the summer. Get rid of the Deadwood players. Um, Mr. A says, in response to my comment about context, let's contextualise losing home and away to Villa. Well, you've got a bloody good point, but that wasn't what we were talking about, was it? This is not a, a review show of Arsenal's two uh, defeats against Aston Villa in the Premier League this season. Check the title, mate. The review show is Arsenal nil, Manchester City one. Let's review the game that we've just watched. We're not talking about what's happened earlier on in the season. I've already said that the league position is unacceptable. Some of the results this season have been unacceptable. My point about context is that I'm not going to go into a full-blown fucking meltdown because Arsenal just got beaten by the best team in Europe by one goal. Um that's the point. You're, you're, uh, people do this, right? You, you're arguing against yourself. I haven't said that losing at home and away to Aston Villa is, is acceptable. If you can find me a clip of me saying that, as I said to someone last week, I'll give you a hundred quid um, because there's people popping up all over the chat box um, telling me that I'm saying things that I haven't even said. So contextualise the game today. And the, the defeat against Manchester City. That's what we're talking about here. Aston Villa has been and gone. Um, what else have we got here? A um, couple of you saying it's not one result. It's 11 losses already. Come on, man. That's why Arsenal's a mediocre team now. Yeah, agreed. We know, it's, we know that 11 losses are why Arsenal are where they are in the table. But we are reviewing the game against Manchester City. And if you were if you were watching or listening to the show right from the very beginning, you'd have heard me say that the reaction from some people today and the overreaction, in my opinion, is based on what's gone on before. So I totally accept that what's gone on before influences you and influences your viewpoint on this game. And I'm saying to you that if you want to look at this game and this result objectively, right, fairly, then you need to put that to the side because we're reviewing that game today, right? We're talking about that performance. We've spoken about it over and over and over and over again about how bad Arsenal have been this season. We all know it. We all feel it. We're all disappointed by it. But in reviewing this game, the point I'm trying to make is that we would have all pretty much, if we were being sensible, not being optimistic because we love our team, if we were all being sensible, if we all had to bet our mortgages, our houses on an outcome in this game, if we were to bet our houses on the outcome of this game, every single one of us would have gone for a Manchester City win. So why the surprise? Why the overreaction? And um, why the disappointment? Why, why the you know, the need to really stick the knife in when we all knew this was coming. That's the point. And again, <laughs> Harry, I worry for the future of the club when fans accept consistent underachieving. I'm not accepting underachieving. You know, even if we had been in third in the league, if we had been second in the league, you can lose to Manchester City. The best teams in the world can lose to Manchester City because they're that fucking good. That's the point. That's the point here. You know, it's not about accepting mediocrity, is it? Nobody's accepting of our league position. Nobody's happy with where we are. But constantly, this whole thing gets thrown at fans who, who are not shouting for Mikel Arteta to be sacked. It, it, automatically, if you don't want Arteta to be sacked, you get, you get labelled by the other lot as, oh, well, you accept mediocrity, you're the problem. That's absolute fucking nonsense. Absolute nonsense because we all want Arsenal to do well. We all want Arsenal to succeed. And you just can't, you can't ever progress if you keep sacking managers, even when you look at it and you probably think that it's not, not a hundred percent their fault. What are you all going to say if Mikel Arteta goes and wins the Europa League this season and brings Arsenal a European trophy as well as qualification for the Champions League? 
he'd have done his job and everything that's gone on in the Premier League season would have been irrelevant. That's the point. Like, if that happens and we fail and, and we fail miserably, then at that point we can reevaluate where we are. But right now, just to, to lose to Manchester City is not is not accepting mediocrity because then far from mediocre, would you say Manchester City are mediocre? Manchester City are the opposite of mediocre. Manchester City are incredible. They're a fantastic football team. They're a fantastic football team. And losing to them can happen to anyone. Just ask last season's champions who got absolutely piped by them on their own ground last week. Tottenham got absolutely piped by them. You know, they, they, they Everton the other day got absolutely piped by them. Manchester City are the best team in this country by a mile. And so my point is that whilst we're all sitting here um, disappointed that we've just lost the game, if you've got criticisms of Mikel Arteta, and, and there are plenty that you could throw at him um, and be very justified in your argument, um, then that's fine. But losing to Manchester City is not one that you should really be throwing at him, if I'm honest. Um, what else have we got? Uh, Colin Addy says, uh, agreed, totally expected uh, to lose. Uh, Peanut Butter Jelly Time said, um, agreed, Harry, we all want Arsenal to be successful. Um, T says, it's not the losing, Harry, it's the manner of how we lost. Absolutely nothing there. So would you have been... So th th this is how you got to look at it, right? We know that Arsenal as a football team are not good enough to play a completely balanced game whereby we attack well and we defend well. Something has to give. Mikel Arteta throughout his Arsenal career has chosen to prioritise the defensive side of the game. In doing that today, um, in being a little bit negative, in being a little bit, um, what's the word? A little bit submissive, is that the right word? Then we've prevented getting ourselves an absolute spanking and at 1-0, you could always nick a goal. I haven't got a problem with that approach against teams that are far, far superior to us. Where I've criticised Arteta in the past is when we've been that negative, we've played that negative style um, against teams that we should be beating, where we've not been brave enough. I didn't feel we were brave enough today. I felt that there were certain elements that we could have, or certain things that we could have done differently to cause Manchester City more problems. Said it already, I feel that we were over-obsessed um, about the idea of, um, uh, you know, nullifying something that they did and, and the impact that that had on us as an attacking force. And I get that, but look, for years and years, we were all screaming for a manager who was going to make us more competitive in this game. And losing 1-0 in a fixture where we normally get beaten by three or four, it's not acceptable because losing never is. But it's better, you know, and and that that's that's where we are. You know, that's where we are as a football club at the moment. It's not accepting of it. It is where Arsenal are. And if you think that Arsenal are not at that level, if you think that Arsenal are at a higher level, a level whereby they can go out on the pitch and play toe-to-toe -to -toe with a team as good, as talented, as balanced, um, and as, you know, developed as Manchester City, who have been to, under Pep Guardiola for, what, five years now, then you're living on, on another planet. And the reason you're disappointed is because your expectation in the first place is mad. And, and that's that. Um, you know, we we struggled to to turn on at the very beginning of the game. We conceded a very silly goal. After that, I thought we improved. The first tw 20 minutes, we were still a bit shaky. But after that, I thought from the 20th minute until half time, I thought Arsenal were better. Um, but when we came out in the second half, Manchester City just stepped it up a gear again. They just uh, took a foothold of the game again and, and took control of proceedings a little bit more. and. Um, and they kept the ball and they made it very difficult for us. And that's it. You know, that's it. Like, it's, they're better than us. And I understand the manner of the defeat being an issue when you're talking about games against, like the games against Villa that one of you mentioned in the chat. I get that. Um, I really do. And I, and I was as angry and as disappointed as anyone else after those games. But this is this is the best team that there is to face in the Premier League right now. and so. Yes, I'm disappointed, but let's not go OTT on it.
Let's not go OTT. Um, Inter Yanan says, that's Rich Harry. You expected top four this season. No, I didn't. Go back and check what I said at the beginning of the Premier League. I didn't say Arsenal would finish in the top four. I said if Arsenal showed progress this season, that would be enough for me. And I said I wanted to see Arsenal get closer to the top four. That was my expectation. That was what I wanted. No, I didn't. Go find it then. If I said I expect Arsenal to finish in the top four, then and you can find me a clip, then I'll I'll, I'll apologise. But I did not say that. I never said that. And um, uh, this is what happens. I think some of you people watch too many YouTube channels and you don't know what who says what. In, and then you say we haven't shown progress. Yeah, maybe we haven't. And I'll judge that at the end of the season. But I never said Arsenal were nailed on for the top four this season. I never once said that. I don't think I've said that for flipping five years. So where you got that from, I don't know. Um, I didn't say I expect Arsenal to finish in the top four. I might have said I expect Arsenal to compete for it and to get closer to it. But that's as far as it, that's as far as it goes. Um, go on then. He says, I'll comment on the clip. Go on then. What did I do? Did I predict Arsenal to finish in the top four? Because I was being positive as a fan. Never said with any degree of seriousness that Arsenal uh, would finish in the top four. When we were giving our tables to 90 min, um, I think I said uh, that that maybe I'd put Arsenal in my top four, but I was very uh, clear and caveated that comment all along with the fact that for me, what a successful, what would represent a successful season is Arsenal showing progress. And you can argue that the progress has not been there. I completely accept that, but I never once said Arsenal are nailed on for a top four position. And if I predict something, it doesn't mean it's a nailed on, does it? It's, it's my prediction or it's what I want to see. Um, uh, it's as simple as that, but you know, feel free to find the clip. I'd love to see it. Um, I'd love to see it. What th- th- he goes, there you go. Then that's predicting the top four. So I said that Arsenal will hu- 100% finish in the top four, right? You're going to find me the clip. Go ahead. And when you find it, then I'll apologize. When you find that comment where I said Arsenal will 100% finish in the top four, um, then I will uh, I will back down. I, I remember saying to the guys that you can't rule Arsenal out of finishing in the top four at the start of the season. Um, I may have picked them in my top four, uh, but that doesn't mean I was I was a hundred percent on Arsenal uh, going into the top four. Any exactly, Sam? Why does it matter what Harry predicted anyway? Unless I'm uh, Mystic Meg, then it really doesn't, does it? Um, in terms of, uh, of some of the other individual performances today, I didn't think Granit Xhaka had a good game today. Um, and, um, you know, as as you guys know, I normally defend him. Um, I normally defend Granit Xhaka because I feel like he gets a hard time from some of the fans. Um, I think that he struggles when he hasn't got the right, the right partner next to him. You know, I, I've always said that about Granit Xhaka. There are, as, as important as he can be and as effective as he can be, there are clearly limitations. There are, um, there are parts of his game that he, he probably needs to improve on. Um, as Ant points out in the comments, he plays every single fucking game as well, which obviously must contribute to him looking a bit, um, a bit jaded today. But having Mohamed Elneny next to you certainly doesn't bloody help, does it? He was dreadful as well. Um, and you just see the drop-off, don't you, in quality between uh, a Thomas Partey or an informed Danny Sabas. It's massively different. Um, and I think that, that Xhaka suffered from that. But having said that, he could have done better in certain situations as well. Uh, v Rogue says, move on, guys. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I shouldn't get drawn into stupid arguments in the chat box. Um, just I'll, I'll leave you to find the clip and... Um, you can send it my way. Uh, Halo says, hi, Harry. First time here and loving the calm and critical vibes. Just wanted to ask your opinion on the difference in this game. Because for me, I believe if City, I believe City won because of their defence. Yeah, look, ultimately, um, City have, have superior quality in, um, in the attacking places, but they also don't make the same mistakes that we do right now anyway, well, they haven't done in, in recent times. They've been on really, really good form. They've been excellent. Um, and yeah, you know, they didn't make an error and Arsenal did make an error. Really, if you think about it, I mean, how many clear-cut chances did Manchester City make? Not very many. 
Um, Ibrahim Saeed says, yep, talk about the game. Nothing wrong with fans being optimistic. Agreed. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, v Rogue says, City had a fraction of bad passes. We had practically every player gives the ball away today. And we don't normally do that against other teams. Our, our players didn't show up. Yeah. And I think that the fatigue is playing a part in this. Um, you know, why is fatigue, fatigue is certainly playing a part in this. You're looking at players who have um, have played a hell of a lot of football lately. There are certain players in that team with whom we're unable to rotate. Granite Xhaka being one of them at the moment. Hector Bellerin being another, really, because I know people were calling for Cedric to start today, but Cedric's played an awful lot of football as well um, of late. So it's been difficult for Mikel Arteta to strike that balance between keeping people fit, but also not... Um, you know, not weakening the team too much. Uh, Peanut Butter Jelly Time says, why are we all arguing against each other? We all know this is a long-term project since we can't spend our way out of this like Man City. But Liverpool have proved it can be done with time. And that is the perfect comment um, to end this on. It's the perfect comment because everybody should know that this is a longer-term project. The problem is, as you can see from, from the live chat, as you can see from some of the opinions, and listen, they're your opinions, they're... Um, you know, you're, you're totally entitled to have them. But at least put them forward in a constructive manner. At least, you know, you say we haven't progressed. You, you know, in what way have we? do you feel that we haven't progressed? In what way do you think Mikel Arteta is to blame? Elaborate on it rather than just going Arteta out. Oh, this is mediocrity. Blah, blah, blah. Elaborate on those points. And I think people will probably entertain those arguments a lot more. Um, but the, the key point there that has just been made is that this is a longer term project. Yes, as a football club, as Arsenal, we can't afford for a five, six year project where we're not competing at all because we're just too big for that. And, and that will never be accepted by this fan base, nor should it. But, you know, he hasn't even had a full season in charge yet. And there's people already calling for his head. So um, there you go. But anyway, going to leave it there. Uh, going to go off and chill for the rest of my Sunday evening. Or try to anyway after that. Uh, no more football for me today. I'm all footballed out. Um, but yeah, podcast is done. Uh, thank you for all your support. Make sure you hit the like button uh, on the way out. If you haven't already, make sure you um, subscribe to the channel. If you're new, if you're interested in becoming a member uh, of the channel as well, click on the link in the description. I'll be back very, very soon with more Arsenal content. We'll be bringing you a couple of shows tomorrow. Until then, ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.